everybody. This is the Kirk Student Ministry Podcast, and it is Love Month. We finally made it. I am John Spencer, your host, and I am here with my co-host. Susan Newler. Hello. And we are here to kick off what we have going on this month. Uh, we have already sent a lot of content to y'all about what we have going on, but we just want to talk a little bit of how excited we are about what is happening this month and to kind of give you a little taste about who you'll be hearing from and what they'll be talking about. I, for one, am really excited to just bring in these guests and hear their expert opinions and for you to stop listening to my voice and for you to start hearing the voices of those that really really know what's going on in these specific uh, issues or problems or exciting adventures for your teen. We just want to talk relationship with y'all and talk what it means. And I, for one, have been doing a lot of studying, both personal study, but also study to prepare for this month as we begin to have conversations with students and to have conversations with y'all. And I also have just been kind of growing and what it means to, to be a relator, to be a image bearer and what that means for us to be in relationship. And it's been really, really fascinating to realize I am really bad at it. Um, I am, some people would say like, you're not bad at relationship, but as I read what relationship is supposed to be based off of the gospel and based off of God's original intention for us, I realized, man, I am not good at this. I personally need help. And the the amazing thing is, is that we have a way back into proper relationship. And that's what I'm most excited about is to talk about that, that way back into proper relationship. And that's what we're going to talk about this whole month. We're going to first start things off with Dan Doriani, who is going to come in and talk about biblical relationships and what does that exactly mean and what does it mean and how does it differ from parent to to student or parent to kid relationship from friend to friend from friend to enemy to uh, to strangers all that type of stuff so he's going to give us the over overall view all right well we have brought back dan doriani he is actually a back-to-back guest speaker um he did so well. We invited him to come back and talk a little bit, um, kind of in relationship to what he already talked about, the transgender world. But um, more broadly speaking, he is kicking off our, our love month and is going to hit on biblical relationships. What is relationships supposed to look like? Where have we gone wrong? So we've invited him in to just open up and set off our love month in a way that uh, will help us grasp the other topics a little bit better. All right. So Dan, thanks for being here. Good to be here, John. Nice to uh, chat with you again. Yeah. So why don't we go ahead and just jump right in and talk a little bit about relationship. Yeah. When I say that word, what comes to mind? Well, I mean, we have all kinds of relationships, right? We have family relationships. Some are very close, spouse, children, others a little bit less close, uncles, you know, maybe grandparents that live a long ways away. So there's family, there's friends, there's different kinds of friends. I'm sure we'll talk about that. There's romantic relationships, of course, sometimes in family, husband, wife, other times exploring a relationship. And of course, there's work and uh, volunteer organizations like, you know, the garden club, the book club, your volleyball team. So we, we all have a huge web of relationships. So uh, as far as all of those relationships we have, what do we tend to 
focus on the most. Um, and this may be different culture to culture. But, yeah, right, right. Um, so you would probably, I mean, you'd almost say we <laughs> we spent time in all all four worlds, uh, family, friends, voluntary friends. Um, you hope there's overlap that you enjoy being with your family. Uh, work friends, who may be true friends, you uh, don't just work together well, but you actually seek time with each other after work. Mm-hmm. So we could say those are the big four. Uh, we probably, at least in the church, talk most about the family, but, you know, family, voluntary friends, work friends, and, and you know, those that broader web of relationships of people just uh, work with in, mm-hmm. in some fashion or other, not necessarily for pay. It's probably four realms. Yeah. So what is the, what does the Bible tell us? What is, if we're to open up scripture from yeah. cover to cover... Let's do a quick overview, yeah, overview. Uh, so, of, of the Bible. Yeah, so first of all, God is relational, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, communicate, love one another, self-contained, uh, didn't need the world, chose to create the world, tr- created a world um, that's like God. That is to say, reflects many of the traits of God, and especially above all in people who are relational to the core. So uh, we love and respect each other, and we... Uh, we govern God's world for him in relationship. So when God made Adam and Eve, they were they were face-to-face, right? That is to say they loved each other. They were married. They clung to each other. They had children. It's all face-to-face. Uh, but uh, So that's family. But they're also uh, working, and that's shoulder-to-shoulder, going out into the world, accomplishing tasks together. And that's, you know, the work side of our relationships. We, we get things done together. Mm-hmm. Very few people can do everything, even close to everything themselves. We need each other. But we tend to want to do things by ourselves. Why is that? Uh, we do want to do things by ourselves because we're sinners and the people, everybody we meet is a sinner. And so they irritate us and they say things the way we wish they didn't. And they, you know, scratch their forehead in a way that irritates us. And they tell us our plans won't really work. And they tell us we're being foolish or difficult and we don't like those things we want to you know feel good about ourselves not be bothered by messy people so we're not meant for isolation isolation is definitely a sign of you know the sin and the fall Mm -hmm. absolutely and how do you draw a difference between that and even times in scripture where people isolate themselves to retreat yeah. um, or to rest. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's it's uh it's solitude is good, isolation is bad. Okay. To be alone can be very good. Pray, think, exercise whatever it is. To be lonely is bad. What's worse is to be lonely and not care. Hmm. So, it's you might say it's okay to be lonely kind of like it's okay to be hungry, but you should take that in the direction of relationship, not despairing or saying, "Oh, nobody cares about me. I'm just going to live in a cave over here and, uh, you know, spend all my hours on the internet with my imaginary friends. Where, where do you think isolation takes us? Like if we're to spiral down from Mm. a moment of isolation to long periods of isolation, where, where does it take us? Right. So, uh, you know, make it very clear. There's lots of people that need to spend lots of time alone Mm -hmm. as they work. Uh, You know, if you're designing software code or coming up with some algorithm for, um, you know, assessing risk, you you can't be chatting with people over lunch all the time. Yeah. So to be isolated for a task is fine. 
Um, the problem is when you're isolated from everybody else. What happens generally is you spiral down into um, sort of getting settled in your sin patterns. Mm-hmm. So someone is uh, pitting themselves because, you know, they're sick and there are not enough people around them or something. Um, and then you pull away, don't answer the phone, et cetera. Don't go out at all, even though you could. Uh, you're going to be more sad, more lonely, more depressed, and have less care for your needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly, if someone is mad at the world, you know, there's one of two things. You can keep withdrawing and stay mad, mm-hmm. or you can reconsider and re-engage and say, yeah, the world lets me down, people let me down, but there are a lot of good people out there who love me, and I, I, sh- I care about them. Mm. So you've, you've stated already that we have a relational God. So a lot yes. of these people that are, are retreating or isolating themselves um, and the intention of pulling away from culture are actually um, retreating to God and still maintaining that relationship in a positive way, in a positive exactly. way. So yes. in, in, often in a terminology that I hear a lot is there's a difference between vertical relationship and horizontal relationships. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. in those instances, people are pulling away from their horizontal relationships between right. them and other people right. to pursue their vertical relationship between them and God. Yes. Um, good. What what does that mean specifically? Right. So sure. I mean, the, the vertical is in in uh, times where we're reading the Bible and meditating on it. It's just not just reading the Bible, right? Yeah, yeah. But reading the Bible, the sense that God is speaking to His people. I'm one of His people. I want to hear what He's saying to all of us, mm-hmm. and I want to take it in personally. You know, what does it mean for me? Uh, prayer, repentance. I think you know, often even uh, in you know, some people sing in the car. Mm-hmm. Or they sing in the shower. Some people sing praise songs, you know, give thanks to God when they're alone. Um, but even, I think even in corporate worship or around people, we can still be thinking, I'm, you know, as I'm singing, I'm actually singing to the Lord, not just singing with the people near me. So it has to do with both speaking and listening, you might say. Speaking to God, prayer, praise, confession, mm-hmm. um, and listening above all, you know, you put up a prayer, you see if you have a sense that God's giving you some direction, mm-hmm. uh, and you listen chiefly to God's word. You can get that also when you read a good book mm-hmm. or when you're listening to a, you know, a wonderful podcast or, or some speaker, um, that can also be God speaking to as well. Mm-hmm. So that's the vertical we might say. And the vertical is often mediated through the horizontal. That is to say you pray and then you bump into a friend and they have, <laughs> they say something, that kind of is an answer to the prayer uh, okay. you had a yeah. while ago. And then we have to also make sure that we state that uh, the vertical with God is never bad, but the horizontal can be good or bad. We have mm-hmm. to exercise discernment as to whether we have good friends or bad friends and whether they're leading us forward. I mean, we don't like to be alone, but you know, we all have friends who've probably uh, pushed us in directions that weren't helpful. Even if they're claiming to be mediating on behalf of God. Uh, sometimes, sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, and it may they just say, hey, I'm a good friend, but maybe they're angry right now. Yeah. They're angry at the world, and you just feel when you're around them, although they're a disciple, they're in a difficult part of their life for some reason. Yeah. And there's a lot of anger or bitterness is coming out. You think, I either have to say something to my friend about this, or I have to pull back because their bitterness or anger are uh, are, are uh toxic or at least difficult for me or taking me in a to a position where it's harder to be a um a blessed person yeah 
So I don't want to go too far down this road, but if you if you are wanting to pursue more of that vertical relationship, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think what's hard is we do try to navigate that by ourselves. Right. Um, there's both good and bad things to that. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we avoid uh, the bad parts of that? Or how do we discern whether we're doing it right or mm-hmm. not? That's a great question. So we want to uh, kind of say two things simultaneously. One, uh, we use the phrase in our circles, the priesthood of all believers, which means that we can approach God directly in prayer through his word, expect God to speak to us, understand his word. Maybe not perfectly. We're glad we have pastors and teachers, but we can really profit from the word and we can have the sense that we pray and God gives us an answer. Mm-hmm. We don't need to ask a priest or a pastor or an elder to pray for us. We can pray directly. So on the other hand, we're, we're placed in communities. And so you know, in the community of believers, everyone has a psalm, a hymn, a spiritual song. You know, we need each other. We have a lot of gifts. Some are gifted to lead. Some are gifted to serve. Some administer. Some teach. Some exercise discernment. Some act of service, the Bible says. So all those people, since no one's omnicompetent, no one's good at everything or even close to good at everything, mm-hmm. if we want to hear, if we want to navigate this world well, including our relationship with God, we need people we're better than we are. So let's say I'm a stingy person, but I have a friend who's really generous. And I, I see his or her generosity. I just admire it. Mm. Generosity just isn't in me. But we're all, you know, this person has the gift of generosity. But I, I'm really low on the scale of the generosity everybody should show. Mm. And so my friend with a gift of generosity can spur me on, help me see how I can be generous, that it's joyful that I stop worrying about whatever it is that I worry about. Maybe I'm worried I'll run out of money or my house isn't nice enough or I'll pick stupid restaurants to go to and they'll think I'm a dork. Mm. Um, and, you know, my generous friend helps me overcome all this. So closeness is is key, you know, being close. Um, and that takes time and that takes experience. Yeah. So we're, we're tilting toward friendship, which I'm happy to talk about yeah. a little bit. Um, so can I make a distinction between different kinds of friends? Absolutely. So let me first define friendship. Friendship is usually has two traits, um, which are self-disclosure. You have to talk about yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to be honest. doesn't mean you tell somebody everything right away. But if you say nothing, if you're always talking about the weather and sports and politics and you never talk about yourself, you're probably not really a friend. Mm-hmm. You're probably what I would call a friendly acquaintance. So we'd say, you know, true friends, probably have five or 10 of those. Yeah. And then friends, light friends, you know, might have 10 or 20 of those. But, you know, you there's something there. They're not real deep necessarily. There's definitely something there. And then uh, what I call friendly acquaintances is people you can do stuff with, have a good time, but you're not going to bear your soul. You're not going to tell them. Mm. And they're not going to be comfortable telling you. And then I have this fourth category I call post-it note relationships. You know, lightly adhesive. Yeah. yeah. Like they, they stick, but not much. Uh-huh. So that's the fourth category. And, you know, you, you're side by side with them for a little while doing something. Um, and you have, you have a connection, but it's, you know, if you never see them again, you're not going to be crushed. Yeah. So what I'm talking about here is true friends or people that are on the way to being true friends. You've got to disclose yourself and you got to listen to them as they disclose themselves. And you also have to be present <clears throat> to help. So that means, you know, when we're together, we're not on the cell phone. We're not 
on social media. It's just the two of us. Mm-hmm. If a phone call comes, we're probably going to not pick it up unless yeah. it's really important for some reason. So we're really present for each other and we're present to help when necessary. Mm-hmm. And it goes both ways. So that's, that's a real friend. Um, that's a deep friend. And you have to, you know, kind of guard both sides of that or maybe not guard, uh, enjoy, foster both sides of that. And it's okay to have lighter, you know, these, those lighter friendly acquaintances. Again, they might be on your, uh, your sports team mm-hmm. of some kind. You enjoy playing with this person. You might even, you know, chat afterwards, but you know, there, or I also call a one point friend that is your friend, uh, their friends with regard to gardening, mm. with regard to car care, with regard to volleyball or whatever it is. And you really enjoy each other at that level, but you're not sharing your whole life. Mm. Those are fine. And some of those uh, can become more, but you don't have to feel guilty that you're not disclosing yourself and you're not present with them much. So where, I'm just going to jump right to the yeah. point. Where does Jesus fall into that category? As our friend? Yeah. Well, you know, John chapter 15 uh, says, uh, in John 15, Jesus says he's a friend of the disciples. I'll go ahead and read it. Sure. It's uh, John 15, verses uh, 13 to 15. And what he says is this. Um, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not call you uh, sorry, for the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I've called you friends for all that I have heard from my father, I've made known to you. So that's self-disclosure. Jesus mm-hmm. has told us everything about himself, about us. He's communicating with us, not just a little. He's telling us everything we need to know. Um, and then he goes on to say, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. And in that same passage, he also says just a little bit earlier, um, greater love has no one than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. So that's help, right? I said, friendship is helpful presence. That's help. Uh, Presence, of course, with Jesus, we don't like, you know, you're four feet from me. Your head is four and a half feet from my head. So I could reach out and touch you easily if I wanted to. We can't reach out and touch Jesus, but he's, present in prayer and by the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he's not a friend like all the other friends that we have in the sense we can't give him a hug, at least not in this life. Um, And when it comes to self-disclosure, he's not disclosing his weaknesses to us. We're disclosing our weaknesses to him. Usually, you know, friends are saying, I'm doing great at this and I need help in that. And it's yeah. very mutual. It's yeah. So it's not the same as other friendships, hmm. but he does, he does reveal himself. And he does help us, and he is present. Those, so, are, those are the marks of friendship. So you would, would you consider him the standard of friendship, or you did say you know he's he's slightly different. Just mm-hmm, I mean he is yeah. incarnate. Yeah, I mean God's the standard of everything, right? Yeah, if you right. want to know how to be just, you ask how God is just. Yeah. If you want to know how to be compassionate, go study how Jesus is compassionate. Okay. So there's a sense in which the answer is yes, of course, uh, Jesus. Is and God, you know, is a friend of Israel and he's a friend of Abraham, mm-hmm. but it is different in the sense that it's not tangible. We can't give mm-hmm. him a hug and sit down and mm-hmm. drink a cup of coffee and you know have a, a lively conversation where we interrupt each other. Yeah, it's I'm not saying we don't hear from the Lord, but it's not the same. So we need to look at you know, we need to look at other friendships, good friendships in history, maybe our parents, 
sibling. Maybe we have a friend who's a really good friend. Mm-hmm. And we want to learn how to be a friend by watching how they're our friend. There are friendships in the Bible too, of course. We can yeah. learn from them. Yeah. Yeah. And Proverbs says a lot of things about friendships. Let's kind of back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. View Jesus as a, an unbroken and unsinful being in relationship with broken and sinful beings, mm-hmm. uh, portraying from his side a um, perfect or ideal, however you want to, mm-hmm. you can correct me on this, yeah. um, uh, ideal of way of relating to broken and sinful people. Mm-hmm. So how should, A, we respond to Jesus, um, mm-hmm. and B, respond to each other, knowing that you're interacting with other sinful beings and yourself as a sinful being. How do you interact and work within that broken relationship? Mm-hmm. And the relationship between us is still broken between us and Jesus, even though he himself is not broken. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still, you know, um, is a broken relationship because we're a part of that. Yeah, right. That's a very good and uh, I'll also say complicated question. Yes, it is. So I may not answer That's all why that. I'm asking if, you if, this. If I, yeah. <laughs> but if I answer, you know, if I answer only partially, you can uh, come back and ask me a sure. few more. So um, uh, first of all, we see that Jesus uh, shows us perseverance when someone is a bad friend or an imperfect friend or when you know he's doing more giving than we are. You know, we mm-hmm. kind of resent it when we have a friend and we're giving more to them than they give to us, which of course is totally normal for, Mm -hmm. you know, a month or a week or maybe six months. But you you hope over the long haul that there's a reasonable degree of mutuality. Um, And, you know, you just, you know, digging into stuff together. It might be music. It might be, you know, some project for work. It might be some project for the Lord's cause that we enjoy with our friends. And so we hope to be mutual. So Jesus is not getting back as much as he gives. Mm-hmm. And so he, at a minimum, models for us how to keep on giving to a friend when they keep on asking from us. And of course, uh, he's totally honest with us and we're not totally honest with him. Mm-hmm. And so he models, um, one of the crucial things in a friendship is, of course, to listen. He listens to us, to tell the truth. Good friends also are able to say, you're not leveling with me. Mm-hmm. You know, what you're telling me right now about how you're doing doesn't make sense because I know you're in trouble and you're telling me how joyful you are. And I, I believe you, but you're acting like nothing is wrong. And you and I both know it's got to hurt a lot. Yeah. So I'm not telling you you have to tell me what's going on, but I'm telling you that I know that you haven't been totally forthright with me. That's okay. I just want you to know that I know. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then ideally, you know, there. If the person is trying to talk to you about what's going on in their life, uh, we often are a little bit un- inarticulate. We we say, "I don't know how to say this, but mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it a try." And a good friend says, "Well, I'll help you say it. I'll 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 help you sort out your feelings because I've known you for a while mm-hmm. and I know how you approach the world. Maybe I could help you label your feelings. Yeah. And if we label incorrectly and say, "No, no, that's not what I'm saying," we say, "Okay, fine." Uh, sorry. Um, you know, Jesus doesn't misunderstand us, but he does help us say things better. Mm-hmm. He's patient with us. We don't quite say it right. We're not quite forthcoming. So um, in that, in, in those ways, he's a model. And then we, we would hope that his, uh, his ways would influence the way we, who are, you know, all sinful, all flawed, 
relate to our sinful and flawed friends mm-hmm. so that you might say, you know, your, your really good friend may go off on a tangent. You think, why are we talking about this? This is so, this has nothing to do with our relationship. Yeah. And it's, I know this is a side of you, but I just don't care about, you know, hiking glaciers. Yeah. And you're, I don't mind hearing about it a little, but that was two hours. It was too much. <laughs> um, so. What if it was a good story, though? Uh, well, uh, you can still tell a good story in less than two hours. Yeah. Well, most movie uh, creators <laughs> won't uh, tell you otherwise. But. Well, they usually have stories within story if it's going to be a yeah. two-hour movie. Yeah. Anyway, you're, you, know, you, you have to be patient with your friend as they go off, right? And Jesus is patient with us. And if your friend is uh, not being very helpful, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not always helpful to Jesus. Uh, you know, he, he or she wants to be later on. And, you know, some of Jesus' patience and forbearance um, and self-giving and forgiveness mm-hmm. should wear off on us and our relationships, we hope. Yeah. At a minimum, when we're getting impatient with a friend, or for that matter, family member, we hope that we see that we're being impatient. Yeah. And we think, you know, it's not really the way God is with me. So um, I need to be more like Jesus here and not demand as much out of them as yeah. I am right now. I demand perfection out of them you yeah. know, sometimes. Jesus yeah. doesn't demand perfection out of us. It's an all-too-good reality. Um, yeah. I think especially the more time you spend, that might be true of family more. Yeah. You think, my my wife is so wonderful. She loves me and I love her. Therefore, she should only do things that I like. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we probably tried to function that way. Um, well, we don't, we or, would never say that. Yeah, but. no, no, no. But we try to function that way early on in relationships. And, right. Um, and we, we do want people to conform to who we are, um, even if we don't say it or not. Or we try oh, to conform. Oh, we, to, would, we would never say it out loud. No, never. <laughs> maybe in counseling, maybe. Maybe. Um, and children, of course, you know, yeah. we expect children. I mean, we know our children aren't going to be perfect. Uh-huh. But basically what we want is for them to be perfect. Yeah, of course. And never disobey we, and always obey not? right away. And let's get in the car and they get in the car. Yeah. Right away. Yeah. Just so we're clear, uh, the relationships you're talking about are not just, mm. um, sometimes uh, as an adult, I don't think often about um, the other types of relationships between like parents and kids. Uh, well, I think about that a lot because it's my job. But right. Most adults or even me um, when I'm not working, I'm not thinking about those but this type of um, relationship model of Jesus and his people mm-hmm. um, can be can it be carried over from adult to adult, adult to child, um, <laughs> you know, a person to creation? You know, how does that carry over? Is it different? Uh, yeah. Based off the, so the obviously, I'm, you and I have been stressing adult to adult so far. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so adult to child. I mean, of course, uh, peer relationships husband, wife, co- two co-workers that really get along well mm-hmm. and have an e- equality in their organization. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those are going to reflect Jesus more as our brother and as our friend. Uh, adult to child is going to be a little bit more like Jesus in his maturity to us in our immaturity, right? What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, Jesus is perfect. He yeah. has no flaws. We yeah. are full of flaws. Uh-huh. And so he's a little bit like, so the Bible sometimes calls Jesus our brother, right? So that's, kind of, or, or our friend a few times. Yeah. Um, and so we can learn f- 
uh, from peer-to-peer relationships Mm -hmm. a bit. Uh, Not, of course, again, there are differences. Uh, But mostly he's called Lord, Master, uh, things of that nature, right? And so he's he's the superior and we're the inferior mm-hmm. part. We're the weaker party. We know less. We have less virtue, less skill. And so that's kind of like us to our children. Of course, we're as sinful as our children are, but we hope we've, we're more mature. We hope we have more skills. And so we learn things like patience, endurance, kindness, tenderness, take care of needs. That aspect of our relationship with Christ is shown in our relationship with children. You know, the Bible says, as a, fa- as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion yeah. on those who fear him. So, you know, the Lord sees us in our weakness, feels compassion. We feel compassion. When a child cries for no reason, we don't say, shut up, you ninny. Yeah. We, you know, we say, you know, tell me what's bothering you. Yeah. What, why are you so sad? Yeah. How can I help you be less? And that's the way God is with us. Mm. Um, it's a really interesting question you ask about, God and us, God and creation. And maybe you could say it this way. Um, you know, God draws out from us what's in us. Mm-hmm. So he gave us abilities. He providentially organizes our life, education, peers, experiences. So that what's in us can come out, can be developed. And you could say that's a pretty decent description of what we do as we uh, operate in this world. You know, there's seeds and there's soil. Mm-hmm. And there's the potential for food, and we draw that out. Mm-hmm. And there's potential for beauty in flowers, or maybe woodworking, or you know, even you know, bricks and cement. And there's potential, and we draw it out. And silicon has potential to become computer chips, and people draw that out. And there are all these, you know, minerals mm-hmm. and the elements of the world that, that we try to um, discover the potentiality in it. And make good use of it. And I think you could say that's to some degree what God does in us. Most of us don't um, do much with animals, but we, you know, we, when we train animals, we're developing what's potentially in them for the good of humanity, hmm. you know, training them to work. So even there, there might be a, a, a faint analogy hmm. between what God does with us. Obviously, we're not animals. I mean, we have... We're, we have bodies, we're animals in some ways, but we're higher than the animals. Yeah. Well, we're getting close to the end of our time. Close to the end. Um, and I want to make sure we we summarize this fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a person who, you know, uh, when I, even when I was in your seminary classes, I, I would read the first sentence of every paragraph and the last paragraph of the book mm-hmm. um, before I would engage yeah. deeper. Right. Um, just so I could get like a big picture. Yeah, so good move. Let's do that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, if we are to zoom out on our relationship with God, mm-hmm. um, if we're to zoom out, even our the time before we even existed, before God created us, mm-hmm. uh, we can recognize that God is a relational being. Exactly. Um, where do we see that? We see it from you know from the very beginning. I mean, yeah. God speaks to Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. Gives them a job to do, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. He also mm-hmm. blesses them, says words of blessing, which is a good thing to say to friends. Right? Yeah. Words of warning, you know, what have you done? He asks questions of Adam and Eve when they've sinned, gives them commands, gives them hope. So, you know, God is always relating to Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. And it continues, he makes covenants, which are, you know, deep personal pledges, bonds of relationship. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we tend to run away from God. God doesn't let us do that, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, Adam and Eve ran away. Where are you? Mm-hmm. Who told you you're naked? What have you done? And uh, we could say it, even the, the doctrine of salvation is sometimes called reconciliation, right? We're reconciled to God. Yeah. And uh, the idea there is that there was a relationship that's broken, severed. Yeah. And step two, the relationship. That's relational. Yeah. And when we sin against God, we run away from God. Mm-hmm. And he, although we, although we wronged him, he pursues us mm-hmm. to restore the relationship. That's what reconciliation is. It's like when you tell a lie or break a promise or something to a friend, you see them in some open setting, you yeah. know, I'm going to just duck behind this column here and yeah. I don't want to see them. But the friend sees you duck behind the column and says, you know, I know that you feel terrible about what you did to me. I just want you to know I really still love you. Yeah. And I saw you duck behind. Please stop. Don't don't feel that way. I've forgiven you. Let's talk again. And that's yeah. I mean, that's what God does. Not far removed from the way a parent handles their child. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We we see most of the sins of our children, at least when they're in our household. Yeah. Um, yeah, not not all, but you know yeah. the ones that we do see. That's, yeah, they do something bad and they run away. Yeah, and you want to enter into that, so. and you gently pursue them. Yeah, and that's a very yeah. godlike moment yeah. when we do that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So step two is we've we've broken that relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, step three, um, and of course, I'm doing kind of the so it's the, relationship, uh, broken relationship, and, and restored then, relationship, and then restored relationship, which is what we've been just talking about yeah. under yeah. reconciliation. Yes, and then of course there's the the consummation, right? Um, Let's let's end on that. You okay, know, the, the sure. consummation of relationship. What do we have to look forward to? Uh, the short answer, of course, is I don't know. Yeah, uh, sure. because the Bible says no eye has seen, no ear has heard. Sure, sure. So you know, we don't know how it's going to relate uh, to God and each other. I mean, I I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. Yeah, if we'll all be totally open with each other in eternity forever and ever about everything. Yeah. We'll all be equally marvelous friends with everybody <laughs> we see. You know, I tend to think that, you know, my wife and I will, um, you know, we're not going to be married. Yeah. But we'll be, I don't, why would we forget? Mm-hmm. Why would we not treasure that we had children, Yeah, you know, together and grandchildren and friends in our house. And we, you know, we did many beautiful things together, just yeah. the two of us, but also for other people. Yeah. So I think, you know, I don't know that I'll have that with other people. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that we don't know, but it'll all be great. There'll be no hiding, no shame, no lying and deceiving. With God, we don't really know how that's going to be exactly either. I mean, God's on the presence. So in a sense, he'll be with us and we'll feel God's presence all the time. Yeah. But, um, you know, most theologians think Jesus will have a body for all eternity and therefore, in a sense, you'll only be in one place at one time. And so you won't be with Jesus all the time yeah. because he'll be, you know, somewhere else yeah. In, yeah. in the universe. Um, so I don't know, maybe we'll get, you know, beautiful bulletins in our head about what Jesus has for <laughs> us today, his thought for the day. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just poking around, you know, yeah. I'm, a, I'm yeah. a bit of a dreamer. So you know, yeah. I like to think in those terms. And, yeah. I mean, it'll be good. Yeah. I'm confident of that. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Thanks, Dan. Uh, sure. One, one last question I want yeah. to ask is, if anybody wants any more information, is there any resources, any parts of Scripture that are really good to study um, when you're trying to pursue a biblical relationship, you know, who okay. you are in relationship, yeah. how to restore a relationship, yeah. what does that look like? 
Well, I mean, it, to a certain extent, you can always just read the Bible with that in your mind. But, yeah. you know, a fun thing to do might be to read one of the Gospels and just watch how Jesus relates to his disciples. Yeah. Uh, when they disappoint him and how he perseveres with them. And, he, you know, he gets, you know, at one point he says in Mark, how long do I have to put up with you? Mm-hmm. You know, you're really disappointing me. And he's he's able to say that. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, he's deeply giving, revealing, sacrificial, caring. And, and honest with them yeah, about absolutely. what they've done. So, you know, you could certainly do that, or you could almost read any book of the Bible. And, you know, a history book like First or Second Samuel has lots of relationships. Mm. And say, what can we learn? Yeah. Uh, you could just say, as I read the Bible, I'm going to have my mind open or my eyes open for relational notes. Yeah. Yeah. How often do you do that? How often do I read the Bible that way? Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes for sure. Um, I mean, I read it all kinds <laughs> Very of ways. specific number sometimes. Uh, yeah. The answer is one out of every 75.6 times. There we go. Yeah. There you go. That's yeah. the answer. Well, great. Thanks, Dan. All right. Um, if, you, John. if you all want to know more, please come to our Hawks and Hornets conference where we will continue the conversation. Thank you.